Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by Rini Cavallari. In this conversation, we talk about relationships, growing up, and travel. Rini's been all around the world and has many more places in mind. I can't wait to see where she goes next. Enjoy this conversation. And remember, after today's show, to make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Rini Cavallari, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thank you. Good to be here. I'm excited to have you on. I don't know that much about you. We were just talking, me trying to figure out what one of your quirks is as part of those those quick questions beforehand. And I'm like, well, I don't know you well enough. But hopefully, maybe after this interview, I'll I'll be able to tell you what one of your quirks are. So do you want to fill the audience in on how it is that we got in touch, how we know each other? Well, we were introduced through... Uh, um a publicist firm that I'm working with on uh, the, the, what was the launch of my sixth book, which is now uh, it hit number one on Amazon and thank you to them. And then also, uh, so I'm very blessed and it's called Head Trash. And that's how we kind of connected to talk a little bit about Head Trash and why it's the killer of human potential. And then I think we just connected so easily. That's why we're here talking today, right? Yeah, yeah. I interviewed you on Broken Bulbs. And then I just loved our conversation. And I was like, I got to hear more about your life story. And I don't, I don't, I get, you know, a few little vignettes of people's life stories on Broken Bulbs. But then on here, I actually get to get in and, and learn about you more holistically as an individual. So do you want to fill us in? Where are you from originally? I'm originally from outside of Philly and uh, grew up there and was there until I was 18 and went off to college. And But I'm a, I'm a scrappy girl from Philly. <laughs> I like it. Tell, I think you are probably the first person I've ever interviewed from Philly. So Tell me, tell me about it. What's what's good about it? What's not to like about it? Uh, <laughs> what was your experience like there? Well, uh, I mean, I love Philly. First of all, go Flyers! <laughs> <laughs> and um, so Philadelphia, I mean, it's the city of brotherly love. Though if you look at some of the, uh, the murder statistics, you might question the love of that. But, you know, it's got a lot... It's, I mean, it has, it's so rich in history, but it's also rich in culture because there's still neighborhoods that um, are the Italian neighborhood, the Irish neighborhood, the Asian neighborhood. There's these neighborhoods. And so what's cool is that you can experience a lot of different culture in Philadelphia. Like, you know, I, I've had some of the best Chinese food I've ever had in my life in Philadelphia. Or, um, you know, and of course, Philly is a food, it's a food town, and it's been a food town before foodie was kind of a cool thing to do. And um, it's definitely because of its neighborhoods, um, the fam- it's a family is really, you know, uh, a, a cornerstone of Philadelphia. And then jazz and blues were, you know, I'm not sure if they were founded there, but Philadelphians think they were. <laughs> and uh, so there's just a great music scene in Philadelphia. And then there's, uh, you know, a pretty interesting fan base. You know, as long as you're winning, we love you. Ask the Eagles. You know, we loved you when you, you know, when you won the Super Bowl, but you're 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 crap right now. You know, so <laughs> we're, we're what you call the original Fairweather fan. 
I like it. I like that yeah. a lot. It sounds like there's just so much culture there. Was there any particular part of that culture that you felt really connected with as a kid? Well, my mom is, she is and was fantastic at, um, she was what I call a digger. She always knew what was going on around town or in different neighborhoods. And so we might go to the Greek festival and then we might go to this. And now it's very common. But back then, you know, like you had to read the paper to find out what was going on. There was no internet to go, hey, you know, what do we want to do Sunday? And, you know, you explore all the options and, oh, there's jazz here. There's this, that, and the other. So I I think for me, the cool thing about Philadelphia was that, that at, and the vicinity was there was just so many things going on. And my mom was always kind of, she was like this great little meeting planner of our family. You know, we would get together and we'd go off and, and explore together or have fun together and do these different things. And I can remember as a kid sometimes thinking, oh God, I gotta go do this. And, <laughs> but now like my memories of my family and doing all those fun things together. And I think it was another piece of my wonderlust, like why I wanted to explore and, and why I'm so curious about other places, other things, other food, other people, et cetera. That's interesting. What, was there a particular experience you had where you thought, okay, this is cool. I like experiencing other cultures and other food and other places. Was there a moment where it kind of hit you that you had that wanderlust? And I never thought of it until this question, honestly. Um, and it had nothing to do with all of the places that my family, because we were campers. I grew up, my parents were both school teachers, and so we didn't have a lot of money. And so we would camp all over the place. So I've seen all of the country and all, and, and I think almost all of Canada, because we would go and we would camp and we would go to, you know, like Prince Edward Island or wherever in May, it would, we would have and lobster at, in August, right? We would do things based on what my mother had uncovered. But I remember for me when I went to Australia and I went to Sydney and saw the harbor and it was my first international trip, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, like you're literally like on another side of the world. And it was my first trip um, abroad and I was 26 years old. And I remember seeing, you know, um, the, the culture there and, and just the beauty of art and the, you know, the opera house. And I just, uh, there it is. I can't even speak to it. It was just, it took my breath away that, oh my God, there's so much for me to see. And it's just one city in one country. Like I got to get busy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I mean, you mentioned on your, on, uh, in our quick questions beforehand, that number one on your bucket list is to visit a hundred places, a hundred countries before you die. What, so Australia was the first one. What was next? Next was uh, Europe and I, it, uh, Europe being uh, several countries. I went on um, a trip with a boyfriend and it, his best friend owned a motorcycle, upscale motorcycle tour company. And so neither of us rode a motorcycle. So we bought a motorcycle and practiced. It was a Ducati. And so we had to practice because, you know, you're going to Europe, et cetera. And so we 
traveled. So we landed, we were in Germany, and then we did, you know, all of the, the amazing um, uh, forests of Germany and, and the churches. And, and we, this tour was so great because he would tell you, stop here for Black Forest Cake. And then we ended up in, we would go to, we went to Austria, and then we ended up and uh, in Northern Italy. And then my, um, my boyfriend at the time, called someone in my family and my family had been estranged my the we the italians you know um had mostly moved to some had moved to america some hadn't and but we hadn't stayed in touch and so he set up um a phone call and i met my italian family on that trip no way i met my italian family and the the patriarch of the family in italian said to me um, it's your job to bring the families back together. And so shortly thereafter, um, my parents, I flew my parents, uh, my brother, sister, and I gave them a trip to Italy to meet his his family. So, but it was so eye-opening. First of all, the motorcycle tour and being in nature and you're stopping at all these places and it's just like endless. And And this tour was also cool because they had like skiing. Are you a skier? I am not, believe it or not. Okay. All right. So, uh, well, in skiing, there's green, blue, and black runs, mm-hmm. right? And you decide which one. So on this motorcycle tour, you'd wake up in the morning, they pack your bags. It was a really decadent tour. They pack your bags. So all you had to do was get on your bike and you decided if you were taking a green, a blue, or a black ride. And there were maps, like actual maps. This is a few years ago, darling. And uh, and you would you would go and you would decide which route you would take. And then the guy who was in charge was super awesome. And he would tell you, okay, since you're taking this ride, you guys want to stop here for lunch. Make sure that you order this and that. And it was like this ongoing concierge service. And I did it for four and a half weeks. Amazing. Amazing. And we came home <laughs> and we sold the bike. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's sitting on the back of a bike for four and a half weeks. It was fun for about two. And then the third week was still pretty cool. And then my ass really was hurting. <laughs> wow what a trip though i know i know so if i needed any more reason to want to see the rest of the world it was zeroed in on that and you know i think that kind of goes to what we talked about it's like you know know, what is life about well life is about not the things we have life is about like what we get to experience the people we meet that you know the, the the whole joy of life like is those interactions right yeah yeah and and that was it for me you know (laughs) that is and when you're on a motorcycle you stop worrying about how you look because you look like shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) oh man okay now i'm thinking of all the cool trips i want to do and (laughs) it's it's all in my head there uh how cool though okay so do you have like a place that you visited where you're like a personal favorite? So I have a couple. Um, when I was 16, we were on a family road trip. It's actually in Head Trash as a book because uh, we did a lot of family road trips. And this was a five-week trip. And we were in a, it was the ugliest powder blue Plymouth station wagon you could ever imagine. It was so bloody ugly. And um, and it was my mother and father. And then in the middle row, it was my grandmother grandmother myself and my best friend and in the back was my sister brother and our dog and we traveled the u.s and we went to you know the four corners and then up into yellowstone etc and i was sitting in the very back of the car this afternoon one afternoon 
and we went through Denver, Colorado, and I was looking out the back window, like, because you had to lay flat. You know, it's not like SUVs. These were long, boaty cars. And I was backwards looking out, and I saw the skies of Colorado. And I said, I'm going to live here. And my mother said, like hell you are. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know. I was 16. So when I first moved, the first time I moved to Colorado, I was 22. And I lived in Colorado a total of 12 years. So that was the first, you know, one place where I knew I wanted to live. But, I, you know, like I love Laguna. I spend, you know, six months there a year and, you know, you know, sign me up for Tuscany because, you know, that's my jam. I love to be able to like walk down and say hi to my butcher and buy some vegetables off the vegetable stand and then go back to my little place and cook and hang out and sit amongst the, you know, vineyards. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's cool that while you were in Colorado, you're like, yeah, this, this place. And then you actually went there. So, uh, tell me about leaving home for the first time, moving away and getting on with your life. Uh, so, you know, I was really ready. I, I grew up pretty young because um, I lost my brother when I was very young. I was only four. And so I think something happens. You know, you become um, aware, you become an adult where I did young. Like I was, I was a grown up. And then, you know, my sister and brother, I was, you know, the, the babysitter. And, and, you know, I was like 18. I'm out of here. And so I went off to college at a small um, school called, at the time it was called East Stroudsburg State, Un- State College. And um, I, I, but really then I transferred out of uh, there and went to Florida State University. And that was my first taste, I think, of, of, of courage because I had never been to FSU. I had had a car accident and I, it really woke me up that, you know, I, I like, I better, I better decide what, like, what do I want to do? And somebody said to me, Oh, you'd be good in the hotel industry. And I said, why? And they literally said, well, you don't have to be very smart to be in the hotel industry. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, like, like, whoa, that was like, and um, may rest in peace. And so, <laughs> but anyway, so I looked at all these colleges and um, I got into FSU and we didn't have the money to go down and explore the college. So I said yes. And I literally flew down with my two bags and moved into a dorm. And that was the beginning of real exploration for me. And I, you know, I, I always thank, um, I'm a Kappa Alpha Theta a, a sorority. And Theta became part of my life there. And I really found my tribe and learned to value who is your tribe and how do you take care of that tribe? Because I think for myself, it was the first time where I really felt a part of a part of some, a group of like-minded people that I could safely be myself. That was the first time in my life that I felt like that. So FSU was a really great choice for me. It was definitely a courageous one because I didn't know what I was doing, but maybe that was, you know, back to your question about your old self or whatever that question was like, yeah, you know, I guess ignorance was a good thing for me at that time because I didn't have a chance to overthink it. Interesting. You didn't have a chance to overthink it. Yeah. I like that. It's like, 
what do what do you want? And so you can't overthink it because you're just like, I want to, I want to go and explore something else. And, you know, going from Philadelphia to Tallahassee, Florida is a long way from home. You're not, you don't, you know, if you're getting homesick, you're going to have a problem. And I, I didn't really, I missed my family, but I didn't miss home because it was in, I've always loved new exploration. So I always kind of feel like you don't have to, you don't, it, it's no insult. Like I can leave and still love without having to stay, you know? So I miss my parents, but I had no desire. I wasn't ever going back to Philadelphia. That's really cool. I like, I like that perspective. Yeah. You can miss your family, but you don't have to miss your home too. You can still go and explore. Yeah. I, I, that's really insightful. Hey, if you're Alex here, just popping in to mention that we do have an Instagram page that I know you'll want to follow because we've got a ton of bonus content on there. And on top of that, we've got some cool stuff happening in the new year that will be announced and talked about and discussed and shared on our Instagram page. So that is at My Wax Museum on Instagram. Super easy. Just the name of the show, at My Wax Museum. See you over there. Now, back to the show. Speeding up now to your present and taking a look at where you are now, you still have that wanderlust. And I'm curious to hear who you see as your tribe now. Like, who are your people? Oh, you know, I see my tribe as a variety of circles. Um, so it, my and my circles overlap. So of course I have my tribe, like my, you know, my sister, my brother, my family, Armand, of my daughter, you know, my, my mama, you know, my family tribe, there's that family circle. Um, and my family circle overlaps with my friend circle because I have a lot of great male and female friends that um, are the family I choose. And so, and we have, you know, maybe we explore together or, you know, one girlfriend and I are like crazy about what's the latest health things going on. You know, we're, you know, no hand sanitizer. You got to use this kind of coconut oil, da, 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 like, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm those circle, that circle. And then I have my business circle, you know, and some of it's my EO or friends, um, entrepreneurs organization, a shout out to them where, you know, they make me think and they push me and they, they make me be a better entrepreneur and a, certainly a better leader. Then I have the people I work beside and the per people I work for, like our clients, and they raise my bar too. So like I kind of look at my tribe, um, my first tribe, which was my sorority, was kind of singular. And it's when I came to realize how valuable having a tribe was like being a part of something but then as I grew older I think I I just my mom was so great at friendship as in particular with women and so I think I got that like I I I have a lot of women friends that I value and I have a lot of male friends too but it, the dynamic is obviously a little different and but I, I don't know I just you know I always said to Bella um, it's, you don't need to have one best friend. Like there's this mentality of like, when you're young, like who's your best friend kind of thing. It's like, have circles of friends, you know, have your sports friends and have your, this kind of friend, have it. And then you never are without. Yeah. Wherever you go there. And I, I even had that conversation with some friends the other day about how 
most of my best friends have never met each other. They wow because right. Oh, I have this friend in the north of the city, this friend in the south of the city. I had this friend at school who I'm still in touch with and keep close, you know. And you have those different relationships. So I like that you bring up that there are those circles. There are different tribes that you're a part of, and there's different people that you connect with. No matter you know what phase you're at in your life, you need a variety of things. Yeah, you know, I I see some people and they they have a really astringent look at like my friends have to have. All everything has to be right in this friend's circle. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a lot of friends who don't have my same political beliefs, mm-hmm. but I find them interesting to be around, and because they have different perspectives on this topic, right? I have friends who, like myself, like I love art and music, and you know, you know, pop up museums and 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 seeing any kind of music. I mean, I can get enamored by you know a guy who's doing a drum on a corner, like you know, hand me my flute, I'll jam with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like to me, it's like there's just so much, so much that you can be a part of if you don't have too many rules. My father used to say, uh, Rini, the more rules you have, the less life you get to live. Hmm. And I have that, when I find myself in more astringent perspectives, which is also known as judgmental perspectives, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but astringent feels so much more highly evolved, (laughs) um, of which I'm not. So we'll go with judgment. When I am in judgment, I, I miss out. I, I think we all do. I really like what your dad would say. Uh, the more rules you have, the less life you get to live. That, right. Yeah. That, wise Isn't it words. true, though? It is super true. It is super, super true. So, I mean, throwing, throwing rules out the window and, and heading out into the world, hopefully, as things are opening up here, uh, where to next? Well, I am so excited. Um, so with the book, I've, I have, um, I've done 19 keynotes since January the 6th, and now I'm going to go on tour. So in, and I've combined my tour. I just got married, um, a couple, several weeks ago, Nice. four weeks. We're still doing strong. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up and I say, Hey baby, you still think are you still crazy about me? Is damn right. It's been 14 days. <laughs> <laughs> but who's counting but anyway so instead of doing like you know normally because we're both travelers Mm -hmm. and of course the world is still not really ready for a lot of travel and so we decided let's take my speaking gigs and my company work the work I do for Power by Aspire which is the company I've owned for 26 years and then um you know book fit related whatever there's a ton of little book things that I have to do and let's cluster them into areas of the country and then we go in so for example we are in um colorado at the end of this uh month and i'll be in denver and colorado springs and so i have work in these places and i have dinners with the people who matter most in my life or my or they matter most to armand and we are having lunches and dinners with these people to introduce each other to the people we love. And some of them are people I work with, I've worked with, like I have one client I've worked with for 24 years, they are 25 years. They were like my second client. So with he and his wife, and then, so we're, we're gonna take this chance. And so then 
in June, we come back for like two weeks. And in June, we're in the Southeast, all over the Southeast. Then we fly into Philly, but that's for family because my brother throws a mean 4th of July party. And so I'm flying up there for the 4th of July and seeing family. But then we're driving the coast and some of it's work and some of it's, hey, let's stop off somewhere in, you know, in Marblehead, Massachusetts. And and we don't have, you know, some things we, we do have reservations because I have like real responsibilities mm-hmm. and I had to like actually <laughs> act like a grown up. And then other times, you know, we're going to end up in Maine and at the Cliff House, um, which is a beautiful resort that a girlfriend of mine manages. Shout out to Nancy. And um, so we're and then we're going to who knows where we're going to go. Oh, we might actually fly into B.C. and visit some friends. Do it. There is a reason they call it beautiful British Columbia. I know. I love. I've been there many times. I actually have family there. And um, so, yeah, so that's where I'm going next. Everywhere. We're going to fly over to the West Coast and, and you know, where I get booked. You know, Oklahoma starts sounding good if they're paying me to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's awesome, too. And this is probably uh, the right time in the podcast to have you actually plug your book. Do you want to fill people in? Uh, what is Head Trash and where they can find it? Thank you. Uh, yes, my shameless plug. So head, it's called Head Trash, The Leading Killer of Human Potential. And you can find it on Amazon. You can also get all kinds of tools at uh, myheadtrash.com backslash VIP. And so why do you care? Basically, we had this pandemic called what we all know is COVID-19. And then we had this epidemic of head trash. And it's kind of the, what do you do with this hangover of COVID and how it's kind of held you back? We have a lot of trash going on about who we can trust and what we want. And, and we're mad about certain things in particular. The world is, is kind of lost its mind in a lot of ways. You know, what's happening right now in, in, in the Palestinian state and, and Israel and, and Russia and Ukraine. Like it's, and so it's a lot of burden on us as individuals. We have a lot of worry. And that, is, that causes stress. And the higher the stress, the less productivity and joy you have in your life. And so I wrote this book before any of this was happening. I actually started the book in 2019 um, and just got lucky of the timing, you know, that, uh, you, you know, we all have to learn how to manage and dump our head trash so that we can improve the quality of our life. And the book is that it's a bunch of, of stories and then gives you real tools on how to own, shift and dump your head trash. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's fantastic. Uh, and I'm going to have links for it down in the show notes for everybody to go and check out. I always appreciate your perspectives on things and the insights that, that you give to things. And uh, kind of looking, looking towards that, what do you, what do you hope is, is going to come of the future, like the next couple years for us as we move our way out of this? I think that for me, my hope is that we we come to find unity again. And um, and that requires a really big effort as individuals. So we have to listen better. Um, you know, we, we have so many issues, Black Lives Matter, hashtag me too. We have a lot of things 
going on. I'll just speak to the states. But we have a lot of political things going on in the world. We've had COVID. We have to understand that we are um, uh, we all impact each other. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our choices with COVID, if nothing, if it taught us nothing, you know, and look at India that, you know, we they did an amazing job in the beginning with COVID. And then the choices that people made and all of a sudden the super spreader events occurred and the impact of that choice against what we knew was has has shifted the lives and for a lot of people death devastated the lives of those left behind you know so i think that when we that i hope that when we learn to you know um find joy within ourselves. Like when I'm happy, I can bring more happiness to someone else because my energy flows that way. And so if we think about how do we create unity, it's in you and I having a conversation and, and let's face it, we might be in different generations, Alex. (laughs) Almost certainly. I'm just maybe 10 years older. <laughs> and so, lie. Uh, so the point is that a lot of times we put this judgment on what, you know, what it could be to be you and what it is to be me. I'm 60 years old. So what is it that, you know, like, does that mean I know more? Well, I might have stepped in a lot more piles of shit than you have for sure, I would suspect, but that we can be open and learn from each other and learn from each other's cultures and, and I guess I've always believed this to be true, but I think right now we must find a better way. And certainly um, it's our own choice on how to understand each other. And when we do, we can find commonality and that will create unity. And then you have something good going on. I, I really, you know, I, that's why I say, you know, I try and move from love first because um, it just makes me, it, it, it makes me feel better. And that tends to make me a better human towards other people. And that's the least I should be doing. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. Unity is really what I hope for. We don't have a lot of signs of that yet. But, you know, sometimes it's, you know, I look back to the, uh, you know, what I know of the civil, you know, civil rights in the 60s. And what we came to know is that it got dark before it got better. Now, was is it perfect? Of course not, but there was progress. And if we keep making, if we keep understanding that even though it might be dark, it's through, like we have to persevere to get to the light again and persevere some more and persevere because change doesn't happen any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It happens because we choose to change. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah. Preach. Uh, yeah uh, <laughs> sorry about that preachy part no 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 it's good i damn, like it damn motivational speakers <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like it a lot and uh i've just got one last question for you here to wrap up the interview and it's something that i ask to every single guest and that is at the end of your life when you're looking back on everything you've done up to now and everything you've yet to do what are the things you hope will be the things that you're most proud of and satisfied with? Uh, Okay. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that I hope that I, um, 
that that the people left behind, my my family, my friends will think of me as um, having been a, a, an excellent, a wonderful, kind sister, uh, daughter, mother, friend, and then maybe you know leader and and certainly boss, like that that they saw that that I that I was um, that I maybe enhanced their lives through the kind of person I was being. And I hope that, you know, that would be, um, that would be something I would be proud of that I, that I touched other people's lives in a really positive way. Boy, that would rock my world. Like I'd come back for that eulogy. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, wait, wait, Um, I got to see this. Hey guys, I'm here. I heard there's a party, uh, and the red wine better be good. And then, uh, you know, I think, like, I just, I don't know. I guess the finish line. You know, when I think about what I'd be proud of is like that I loved big, that I played all in, that I, that I, that I lived. You know, and in the book, I write about, um, you know, what I learned as a four year old through the passing of my brother. You know, some imprints weren't so good. Other imprints were extraordinary, and one in particular was to you know to live with a lot of passion, like to live, and and you know sometimes people have said to me, "Wow, you're like so much. You got like so like it oozes out of you. Like, does it ever stop?" And I was lucky again. You know, my father would say, "You know, baby, you got something special going on here," and um, and it was really this. I think this gift of that life is short and so you want to live as much as you possibly can. And that means doing the things that you want to do and not being afraid to do them. Um, and that's easier said than done because I'm, you know, as good a procrastinator as anybody. So I think that would, that would kind of, uh, you know, that, my, that the people I love the most felt that I had touched their lives and that for me that I had lived a full life of experiences and love and joy, they would be the two approach, two things that I'd answer on. I really, really like that and appreciate you sharing that and appreciate you sharing your life experience with me on this podcast. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening, not just to the show, which we certainly do appreciate, but more so to the people around you, the people from your everyday life that you just happen to know. Make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.